broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good? What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday here in Las Vegas. April Fool's Day. Uh, no April Fool's jokes uh, around here. We're just talking some ball, football specifically, although there's some baseball uh, on on the television airwaves. Uh, love to see that. Uh, it's just a good time of year uh, because, you know, baseball is here. There's fans in the stadiums. Love to see that. Uh, it means that the draft is right around the corner. The start of baseball always uh, marks that. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. The start of baseball always marks that. We're one day closer to OTAs and training camp and the regular season. Uh, it seems to whiz on by, and we love it that way. So uh, lots to talk about, lots to think about, and uh, beautiful weather here on the western part of the United States. Uh, and we're enjoying that very, very much. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Did you see where the Raiders were today? I don't know if you saw this or not, um, but obviously there's uh, lots of pro days going on right now all across the country as uh, some of the top uh, NFL draft prospects work out in front of college scouts, or excuse me, uh, NFL scouts, GMs, and coaches um, You know, at their various pro days across the country. No scouting combine this year, so the uh, pro days become uh, even more important, at least for your coaching staff to, to get a look at, uh, you know, players of interest. And the Raiders were out in force um, in at the University of Central Florida, uh, where a certain player by the name of Richie Grant, uh, the free safety, one of the fastest rising safeties uh, in the draft, uh, I saw him at the uh, Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, loved what I saw, uh, feel like he can uh, play all over the field. He could line up at cornerback for crying out loud. Uh, in addition to free safety, showed tremendous uh, pass coverage skills, uh, toughness, uh, versatility at the Senior Bowl uh, and throughout his college career. I think he's 23 years old. Uh, so if you're worried about potentially starting a, a rookie free safety, hey, uh, Richie's at least got a, a little bit of age going on uh, for him. Uh, it, lots of experience in college, lots of games started, uh, lots of, uh, you know, lined up a, a bunch of different positions, but is a, a player of obvious interest. And that's why the Raiders were uh, were at the University of Central Florida today uh, to get a good look at him. Um, and it's interesting. You know, there's it's obviously – Every team is doing their due diligence right now, uh, the Raiders included. And, you know, uh, we can't read too much into certain things. Uh, They were, I mean, you know, uh, Mike Mayock, the Raiders general manager, was in Provo, Utah uh, to watch uh, BYU working out. Now, obviously, they got a great quarterback who's probably going to go number two overall. That's not who Mike was looking at. There's plenty of other good players uh, off of a very good BYU team. So, um, you know, there's there's no uh, oh, should we read uh, uh, anything into this? I would say no, but it's pretty obvious when you look at the Raiders' uh, roster and their depth chart. Uh, there's a glaring hole right now at free safety. Jonathan Abram is established at strong safety. Uh, have been keeping up with him on uh, social media. He's putting work in. There's no question about it. Uh, you know, weight room uh, doing his due diligence. Uh, 
at cornerback. Uh, Damon Arnett is penciled in. Uh, Tra- Trayvon Mullen uh, is penciled in as a uh, as the two starting cornerbacks. Uh, not quite sure what direction they go in at slot cornerback. Although Amik Robertson, uh, the second year player now from uh, Louisiana Tech, is going to have a big thing to say about that. And uh, I think if you were you know, barring any major moves between now and uh, the opening of, uh, of of OTAs, Amik Robertson might have the line uh, right now on that position. They're not going to just give it to him. Obviously, he has to earn it. But I know coming off of last year was kind of a rocky season for Amik. Uh, we've talked about this quite a bit, making the move from outside uh, cornerback to uh, playing in the slot uh, in, a, in a year that, you know, where there was no OTAs and things like that. It was tough. Um, and so that was an experience for Amik Robertson. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it in terms of his playing time or even how he played uh, when he did get some times. We saw all, you know, we saw the struggles, uh, how teams attacked him uh, almost as soon as he got uh, on the field. And, and you know, uh, it just, he wasn't ready, period. Uh, he wasn't ready to play at a high level. But things change and players get better and players develop and players get more comfortable. And uh, a guy like Amik Robertson, uh, you know, you you can tell how much uh, he cares about this and how much he wants this. And I think that with the year under his belt, he's going to come back a changed player. Uh, and and we'll see what that means. Maybe he is the starting slot cornerback. But right now, at least there's somebody there that you can project uh, to be the starter. Uh, even if it is a second-year player who didn't play uh, a whole lot last year. But when you're talking about free safety for the Raiders, yes, Jeff Heath is still on the roster. And I guess at this point, you know, he would be the projected starter. But I don't think that's the direction that the Raiders want to go in. They need to get an established starter uh, at that position. And there's some pretty darn good ones uh, in this draft, Richie Grant being one of them from the University of uh, of Central Florida, and so the Raiders were, um, you know, out there today taking a look at him, and I think that he's a guy that, uh, if they were to pull a trigger on him, and and you're looking, you know, most likely uh, in that second round. Although I saw, uh, I think it was Bleacher Report had uh, their big board top 150, and for some reason, and I got to reach out to them. Uh, sometimes you just a guy just escapes you and you forget about him and and it's just one of those uh you know mistaken omits but he wasn't as far as I I looked at it twice and I'm going to go back uh, and look at it again I didn't see Richie Grant in their top 150 and that's kind of baffling to me he's a guy that a lot of people have uh you know uh, projected some, some people I've seen late in the first round uh but without a doubt within that second round so for him and that's we're talking about the top 50 players, 60 players at that point. So for him not to be on uh, Bleacher Report's top 150, got to try to figure that out if that was uh, a mistake and they just kind of, you know, sometimes it happens. Um, or if they don't believe he's one of the top 150 players, and that would be a very contradictory to what I've been hearing, um, you know, and what what's also out there and where he's projected to go. He's one of the fastest rising players uh, in this draft. And I think he, uh, after what he did today um, at the University of Central Florida, the numbers he put out there and, and the skills that he showed and what he did at the Senior Bowl and, and the body of work that he put together, uh, you know, in his college career puts him in that, to me, top 60 players uh, without question, that's just me, but I'm also going on uh, things that I'm seeing as well and hearing uh, as well. So for him, you know, not to be in uh, Bleacher Report's top 150, uh, it's kind of 
interesting to me. Like, why? I'd like to know why. If it's if it's a mistake, that's one thing. But if there's something glaring about his game uh, that uh, that that they're seeing, then would would love to find out what that might be because uh, I don't see it. I see a good football player. Uh, and when you're we're talking about, you know, the the, the free safety position, um, you know, it's it's. There's a few out there uh, in this draft. Uh, Trayvon uh, Moreg from TCU, he's a guy that, you know, is he going to go in the first round? Uh, there's a good chance that he'll go in the first round. He's the uh, uh, presumptive number one free safety uh, after a fabulous career uh, at TCU. Now, we talked about Javon Holland yesterday from, from the University of Oregon. This is a player that going into the 2020 season was arguably or, or kind of – uh, projected to be the, the the best safety in the class, but he didn't play in 2020. Javon Holland opted out uh, due to the COVID-19 um, situation. Uh, Oregon did play, obviously. The Pac-12 ended up playing games last year. Javon Holland said, uh, you know, I'm going to sit this one out. No, uh, you know, n- no disrespect to him. And uh, we all respect everybody's uh, decision to, um, you know, to, to, to whether they played or where they didn't play last year. But I think in the whole scheme of things, um, you know, it's probably hurt some players and their, and their, and their stock because they don't have, they didn't have a body of work, uh, to put out there. And, you know, these guys are the, the NFL, uh, they're trying to, to eliminate as much uncertainty as possible. That's what you do. Uh, in the uh, in in the draft, you're trying to eliminate that miss factor by doing as much investigative work as you possibly can when you're uh, you know looking into players and um, studying the film and and doing background checks and talking to everyone that they've known uh, for as far back as you could possibly go. They're trying to eliminate the uncertainty factor or manage and mitigate that. You can't. Entire, you know, at, at some point, the kids got to get out on the field uh, and prove it, and that's when we find out, you know, uh, whether they've got the chops or not. And a lot of that is: do, do they have the heart? Do they have the work ethic? Uh, are they smart enough? Um, you know, do they want it enough? There's a lot that ends up uh, coming into play or going into play uh, on whether or not somebody ends up being successful. And, you know, if we all had the magic wand or uh, be able to to look into the future to make it. To, to easily figure out who can transition to the NFL and, and who doesn't, well, you know, the, the jobs would be a whole lot easier, but it's not. And there's no matter how much work you do, no matter how much film you uh, look at, no matter how many people you talk to, uh, there's always going to be an uncertainty level. And that's why you look at the numbers from uh, the, from, you know, in past drafts, by the way, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus's uh, mock draft. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Trevon Mora going number 25 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, if the Raiders really want him, it's almost a situation where they're going to have to take him uh, in that first round, whether that's in, with the 17th pick overall or, or by trading back to that, you know, 25, 26 range uh, to get him. Is that, do you want to, uh, and I'll throw this out to Raider Nation, uh, are, are you willing to, to invest that high of a pick in a free safety? And, you know, um, I, you know, I don't know, uh, second round. Yeah. Um, first round, you know, if, if we're not talking about the Derwin Jameses of the world, um, I don't know that you invest that high of a pick in that position, uh, when I think there's value, uh, in the lower rounds, but we'll see if you, if you like them enough, 
uh, then, you know, uh, it's something that you have to consider. I'm looking for in um, Pro Football Focus's uh, mock draft where they have uh, Richie. And if you give me one second, oh, by the way, they have him at number 48. Uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders, by the way. Uh, so Pro Football Focus in their mock draft, their latest mock draft, has uh, have Richie has Richie Grant uh, going to uh, the, the Raiders. Um, you know, with that uh, with that 48th pick overall. And I'm gonna I'll go back uh, maybe during the break and check and give it one more look on uh, on on uh, Bleacher Report. But it, I gave it I, I looked twice. I just didn't see Richie Grant's name. In their in their big board of their top 150, and that's kind of perplexing to me. Again, Pro Football Focus, um, you know, who who does a lot does a lot of work in this regard. And uh, if you don't have if you don't subscribe to Pro Football Focus, it might be something that you know you're 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 interested in doing because uh, they do a, a lot of work. Like their um, draft guide gets down to they count like how many snaps players have played throughout their career, uh, like a Richie Grant. How many times did he line up at a, as a slot cornerback, free safety, box safety, cornerback, down on the line of scrimmage? Yes, sometimes safeties uh, put their hand on the ground and, uh, and, and, and come off the line of scrimmage. A lot of times it's like, you know, in a crazy situation or a very, very specific situation. But uh, the point being, they do so much homework, and I'm looking at it right now, uh, their their draft guide and it gets three pages deep on every player. Uh, you know, in terms of their breakdown, coverage uh, skills. They put grades on coverage skills. We're talking about free safety right now. Safety. Uh, what you know? How many times that they were targeted? How many passes they gave up? Tackles. Tackles missed. Um, you know, the the whole, the whole nine yards. And Richie Grant uh, by 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 projecting him as uh, you know at number forty eight to the Raiders. He's at the very least, is that Udeman? At the very le- least, uh, he's got their um, – he's either their second or their third ranked free safety. So uh, for him not to be in somebody's top 150, that's, that's, that's kind of crazy to me. But um, uh, in, And as far as uh, PFF's uh, big board, they've got Javon Holland at number 52. And that's what's interesting to me. Like if you would have – if we would have been – this time last year projecting to the 2021 draft – Javon Holland uh, is arguably a first-round pick, uh, or at the very least, early, early second round. And uh, this is sometimes, you know, the 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 uh, this was part of the danger, not danger necessarily, or the choice that you had to make as a player. And it was a very, very difficult choice uh, in some cases. Do you play and risk the unknown of? You know, COVID nineteen. Because uh, remember, you know, we didn't, obviously didn't have a handle on COVID nineteen. There were a lot of uh, issues. Um, you know, players contracted uh, COVID nineteen, and I know that everybody ultimately survived. But if you talk to some of these guys that did have it, it you know, some guys it was easy, boom, no problem. Uh, they barely even you know felt anything. But that's not the case. And every, I think sometimes it felt like people were running with that story uh, as the only story. And that wasn't the only story. If you talk to some players who Miles Garrett, um, I know that uh, Cleve Farrell got knocked for a loop uh, pretty good. Uh, there were there were other guys who they felt it, man, and they understood this is no joke. COVID-19 is no joke. Um, thankfully, uh, everybody did survive, but everyone had a different tale to tell uh, about their reaction to COVID-19. So uh, it made 
I, I didn't I didn't begrudge anybody for any decision that they made whether to play or not last year. And it was a difficult decision because there were invariably going to be some ramifications and not um, in terms of judgment of, you. oh, you didn't play, it doesn't mean uh, enough to you. Nothing like that. I don't think anyone has that kind of a stance. And if they do, they're just flat out wrong and they should not be doing the job that they're doing if they have that kind of a stance. I think the, the, the ramifications was just kind of the out of sight, out of mind uh, ramification of other players, uh, you know, had a chance to get out there and perform and to state their case and play. And so those were the lasting images, were the most recent images of players who, uh, you know, were able to play their junior or senior years in 2021, whereas somebody like a Richie Grant, who, you know, uh, this time last year or, you know, leading up to the season, you know, was was arguably the top safety in the draft class, and and he would have been maybe you know uh, projected at number twenty five. Now he's he's the fifty second ranked uh, player on the PFF uh, big board. So you know, it's just something, and I feel bad because you know I don't think anybody's you know uh, it's not out of malice or anything like that. It's just you know again NFL you know, scouts and general managers and coaches, what they're trying to do is eliminate as much uncertainty as possible. And that's what they're doing a deep dive in right now. Every single uh, player is being put under a microscope. And there are some players out there who have a very credible, very, um, you know, projectable body of work, recent body of work from the 2020 season. And players like Richie Grant, don't uh, and and there are there's a few guys that that fit that uh, more than a few guys that that fit that category, uh, so it's just something to to think about. But I'll I'll say this: a guy like uh, you know somebody like uh, Javon Holland uh, is, is gonna he's gonna I think he's gonna when he gets out on the field again and he's given that opportunity wherever it is that he gets it might be here with the Raiders. Who knows? Uh, is gonna show that you know. Um, he was worthy of the recognition that he was getting last year, and he might be, in a way, getting overlooked uh, this year. But, you know, hey, that it is what it is. Everyone made their decisions. Uh, he can't dwell on it. Uh, basically, what he has to do at this point is when he, whatever, wherever he's drafted, whatever opportunity he gets with whatever team, with uh, whichever team drafts him, uh, just make the most of it and 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 prove your point. But I, I just love this time of year because you know you see all these. You're you know we're watching all these pro days on NFL Network, and I know ESPN is is showing footage uh, as well. And you know everybody's just trying to get a read on guys and get a, a up close personal look uh, at some guys. That's why the Raiders were uh, in Orlando today to take a look at Richie Grant. Um, but there's so many other players that are uh, that, that, that intrigue me. Uh, the, uh, Jamar Chase from LSU, another guy who didn't play uh, last year, but it sure hasn't hurt him a bit. He was um, you know, ranked as the top wide receiver going into last year. And even in spite of Devontae Smith winning the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver and being a darn good player, and he's going to be a, a first-round lock pick himself, uh, you know, it doesn't look like uh, 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 Jamar 
has lost any footing whatsoever. He is a top 10 pick, uh, could crack the top five depending on, on, on what happens. And, and really the only reason he's not is because so many quarterbacks uh, are going to go uh, ahead of him. I'm looking at PFF's big board right now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields are their three top-ranked players. Uh, and then uh, Penny Sewell, uh, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who also a team's going to get a really great player uh, at a – at you know, he should be a first or second pick overall, period. That's how good he is. But because of the quarterback factor, uh, he's going to fall a little bit, but not too far. And whoever gets him has a future Hall of Famer in the making. I am calling that right now. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Raider great Lincoln Kennedy. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. To the Raider Nation listener line, Robert wants to talk about the Raiders and the draft. How are you doing, Robert? Uh, pretty good, Vinny. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. What you got, brother? Uh, I think I have a new man collect in terms of the Raider draft. I was just watching the NFL Network uh, with Willie McGinnis and Stephen Jenkins looks like the perfect fit at right tackle. Uh, hasn't given up a sack uh, in a couple of years. Uh, big, nasty, great athlete. Uh, what, can, what do you know about him, and do you think he'd be there at number 17, and do you think that would be a good spot to draft him? Uh, yes, um, I, I do, uh, actually, uh, and I love him. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. I love the tenacity. Um, you know, there's some measurables that, that are, are freaking some teams out uh, or some people out, I should say. Uh, doesn't have the longest arms uh, at tackle. That's an important distinction uh, when we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, so some, some teams wonder, is he better at guard because of, of the arm length? Uh, the film that I've watched of him, uh, he mitigates the arm length issue with tremendous hands. And, and, and what, what I mean by that is um, when a defensive player gets their arms on him, uh, you know, uh, picture a defensive end fully extended two arms in Tevon's chest, let's say. Um, that's usually how a defensive player can just now throw you out of the way one direction or the other because he's got the arm length and now he has, uh, he has you basically where he wants you. Uh, if you watch what Jenkins does, and he does this very cleverly and very effectively, he uses his hands to to, to kind of like break off your control of him. Like he just—it's—it's it's like this crazy move that he does, and it's in the—it's in the blink of an eye where bang, he bangs your arms, your your hands off of him. Uh, and then he gets control back. Uh, so there's a technique that he uses, but that's in college. So, you know, we have to keep that uh, in mind. He's going to be playing, uh, obviously, against NFL players. So that's the one issue is the arm length. Uh, I'll say this, uh, and I did a, a side-by-side uh, of, of, uh, of Tevon and um, uh, Christian uh, Barrymore, or uh, Barashaw, uh, uh, my, my apologies there, uh, Christian Barashaw from Virginia Tech. And I think that, you know, when you watch – the Virginia Tech kid, the tenacity level—it's uh, it, not quite the same. Um, and so, you, you know, but I think it's a mistake to hold that against him. I think he'll in bigger games against bigger opponents. The tenacity was there. Uh, I just think that it was in, in some ways uh, these last couple of years for him, and especially last year where he really uh, moved forward, took a big step forward. It just was really easy for him. He's just such a fluid athlete. Got has really good feet. 
he's big. He's huge, actually. He's played on the left side. And, you know, uh, he's just so much – he was just so much better than a lot of the players that he was playing against that it almost looked, in a way, effortless. There are some, um, you know, some technique issues that he's got to get cleared up, uh, cleaned up. But I, but I think that, you know, with the right coach, everything else is there. So if it – I guess what I'm saying is if it came down to those two players – uh, I think I would go uh, with Christian from from Virginia Tech simply because I think he fits the profile. Profile. I think he's a guy that can can play right tackle for you for the next decade. And you know maybe he's the guy also uh, in five years that replaces you know Colton Miller because um, we don't you know if Colton Miller decides to retire or move on or whatever the case might be. Um, you have a player now that. Uh, can can move over to left tackle uh, and replace the guy going out the door if Colton Miller is going out the door in 2025 or, or you know whenever the case is. But yes, uh, if 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 the Virginia Tech kid isn't there, uh, I would have no problems if the Raiders uh, took Jenkins because are you still there? If you're still there, Robert, what, did, did they show tape on the uh, on the NFL Network? Did they show some footage? Well, they show some tape of Jenkins, and yeah. you're, you're right, and that's what uh, Willie McGinnis was commenting on with his uh, almost jujitsu type moves. Right? Get hands uh, th- off. I don't know if he practices martial arts, but. Uh, I was literally going to say, not to cut you off, I'll let you get back to it. I was literally going to say it was, it's almost like a martial arts move that he does with his, it's kind of like in his wrist too. And it's just, it's in the blink of an eye and it's just like, all right. I mean, you know, he, he's, he, he does something to mitigate. It's like somebody told him, look, you know, the, the, the arm length is an issue and other players are going to have longer arms than you and they're going to get leverage on you, but there's ways to mitigate that. But go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. It was just, I, I had to laugh when I heard the martial arts thing. Cause that was what, exactly what was running in my head. No, it's just, uh, I guess for me, the difference between the two might be the level of tenacity. I don't like having to teach a guy that. I'd rather have the guy come in with that, and if he's got the technique to succeed, then uh, I don't, I don't want to have to teach you uh, what level of, of intensity that you need to play with at this level. But either way, it uh, sounds like I, I hope the readers uh, go offensive line early, but thank you. Yeah, uh, you got it, Robert. And uh, and Jenkins is, is definitely uh, one of one of my favorites. And and he would be, um, you know, and obviously Sewell is the top ranked guy. Slater from Northwestern uh, is is ranked second. I just don't anticipate either of those guys being at seventeen. Uh, so you know, uh, to me, when I say one and two, I'm talking about one and two in terms of who I believe will still be there uh, at number 17. And I think that uh, uh, Darashaw and, um, and, and, and Jenkins both have a, ch- both have a chance uh, to, to, uh, to, to be there, um, you know, with that, with that pick. So that's who I'm saying when I'm saying, you know, uh, one or two. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm referring to. We all know Sewell from Oregon uh, and Slater from Northwestern are really the one and two uh, of this tackle class, and it's a very, very deep uh, tackle class. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend uh, from Covers.com, Patrick Everson, uh, is in the house. Patrick, I would imagine 
Uh, you're a fairly uh, busy guy right now, uh, taking a little bit of a breather with the Final Four and, and the NCAA tournament, but we're, we're bridging right to uh, baseball. Uh, the NBA playoffs are getting ready to, uh, to, to, to gear up. So a lot, uh, uh, I'm sure uh, everything's keeping you really busy, so we really appreciate you taking some time uh, to spend with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my man? I'm very good. I appreciate you guys having me on, definitely. It's uh Sports betting slows down for no one. So exactly, and, exactly. And it's That's full right now. There's a lot going on. All right, I got to ask you something before we get to some other things. Um, talk me off of the cliff, and I, I, I'm not usually the cliff guy, uh, but I'm starting to edge toward it. Uh, what's going on with my Lakers? Uh, what's the uh, level of anxiety in the betting world about? the Lakers right now. Obviously they're dealing with the bunch it's injuries. That's what that's basically, you know, the issue here. Uh but how do you guys how does that get handled in the betting world and what is what has been um you know the the trends or reactions uh, out there on the Lakers right now with everything that they're going through? Well the the trend is I I mean I think betters and odds makers alike, people on both sides of the counter expect that the Lakers are going to be at full strength when the playoffs roll around. And I think that's kind of the goal of how the Lakers are handling some of this, too. Um, they may have to handle it this way, but, right. but certainly what they want is a healthy team for the playoffs. But there has been a bit of a reaction on the odds-making side where I don't think – I'm pretty sure most every sports book, regardless of brand or what jurisdiction they operate or what have you, has the Brooklyn Nets as the favorite now, and that's only – come to be over the last 10 days or so, 10 days to two weeks. Uh, Brooklyn was right there near or with the Lakers for the past month or so, but then the AD injury and then followed by uh, the LeBron situation has has really kind of forced the hand of most books to make Brooklyn the odds-on favorite to win it all. And I'm looking at our updated odds on, the, on an article I updated just uh, recently for Covers.com where Brooklyn is consensus kind of around plus 250, Two and a half to one to win the championship, while the Lakers are a little bit beyond three to one to win the championship. So, and then from there, some of these other teams' odds have gotten a little bit better than what they were. You know, when somebody go when somebody slides a little bit, well, somebody's got to move up. And obviously, the Nets were one of the beneficiaries, but uh, the Clippers plus four fifty, the Bucks plus six fifty, the Jazz plus nine hundred. Some of those teams were at a little bit longer numbers a few weeks back, uh, but with the Lakers' health a little bit of a concern, particularly when you're talking about Western Conference teams like the Clippers and the Jazz, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact those teams' odds as well. We're talking to Patrick Everson from at cover, and you, you can follow him at covers underscore Vegas, and he writes for covers.com. Uh, sticking with the Lakers real quick, um, where, what was their high point um, as far as odds to win the, uh, to win the NBA, uh, uh, if you remember off the top of your head? What w- I, I, would be, I would be kind of top of the head kind of thing, but they were basically in the range of what the Nets are now, plus 250. I don't think they were much shorter than that. Maybe... Uh, I think maybe William Hill US, if I remember correctly, might have been closer to two to one, somewhere in that range. Uh, but uh, uh, I think that was about the extent of as, as as short as as short as those odds got. So they've certainly stretched out a little bit from their uh, from from their shortest point. But uh, they've always been in that two to one, three to one range. And and honestly, there's a big difference when when that is your range. It doesn't seem like much, but it's actually kind of a big difference if you're betting it. Uh, for 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 uh, any any amount of significance, but generally speaking, in that two to one to three to one range. Okay, so 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 Vegas is is they're 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 you know conceding a little bit or, or recognizing yeah. a little bit, 
not going crazy. They're they're assuming that you know they're going to get it together health wise and and still be a factor at some point. So so somebody can't jump in and make a tremendous bet right now uh, on some on some really good odds for you know what what is arguably the best team when healthy uh, to go win it. And there's plenty of time for them to get healthy. I think I hope anyway. So uh, but that's just a Laker fan in me in me talking. Um, we're talking to uh, Patrick Everson. Uh, you can follow him uh, at covers uh, uh, underscore Vegas. All right. So baseball starts today. And, um, you know, opening day is, – is opening day a pretty uh, uh, important betting day for baseball? Do, do, do fans jump in uh, headfirst uh, on, on opening day or is, do they kind of wait a little, a little bit to, uh, to kind of, you know, seize or, or, or scan it out a little bit before they start getting into some, some heavy betting making? Well, I think most of the, of the public fans, especially public fans who enjoy baseball, it's not at the level of – of the NFL or, or the NBA or college basketball, but it's certainly something that uh, it's kind of a, a sign that, you know, spring is here every year. And I think a lot of people do uh, enjoy, enjoy it in the same way that they, they enjoy other sports, just maybe not to the same level. So I don't think it's, I don't think there's a crazy amount of betting going on today, but I do think that opening day probably sees more than even let's say a week from now, when we kind of settle into this every single day, there's, 12 to 14 games or what have you, um, and it gets kind of humdrum. I do think opening day, uh, you know, kind of it gets a boost. You know, it's a boost for, for MLB. And yeah, especially when you're talking about the teams that, that, public, that, that the majority of betters look to, and that is the public teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees. And, and in fact, BetMGM sent out some, some insights for opening day, and the, most, the two most bet games were the, were the uh, Blue Jays-Yankees game and the, and the, uh, the Dodgers-Rockies game. So... And, and the team drawing the most bets, you know, on uh, the teams breaking out, you know, breaking further into not just the games getting the most bets, but the teams within those. Dodgers were the number one most bet team, Yankees number two. And here in Las Vegas, of course, and this kind of ties into your Lakers points as well, that, that's another issue why they won't send the Lakers out too far. They're already in way over their heads on the Lakers. The Lakers get the daylight bet out of them in Las Vegas, not to take you away from the baseball point that you were making. No, totally but, understand. Yep. But 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 there's a but there's a correlation there, and the, with the Dodgers who get bet very well here, not to the point, not to the extent the Lakers do, but the Dodgers get bet very well in Las Vegas, and therefore the number is always going to be a little guarded uh, because they're already going to have liability to that team. And the Dodgers in today's opening day games were the most bet team for BetMGM, which operates in a lot of jurisdictions, but its biggest jurisdiction is up and down Las Vegas Boulevard. So, and the Yankees were the number two best bet team followed by the Indians. All right, sticking with the Dodgers then. Uh, did you happen to see what happened with the home run and the, the runner uh, overlapped the other runner and and, uh, and got literally a, a home run taken away from him, um, although got one RBI out of it? I don't, did you happen to see that, what happened? I didn't with- see the play, but I, but I did see the re- – obviously I saw the reaction on social media, and that, you know, it ends up being – it's looking pretty critical. <laughs> I know exactly. That's what I was going to ask you. Like that's kind of a nightmare scenario, I'm sure, for some betters right now. Let alone what I was thinking. What if that was a walk off situation with two outs in the inning? Like I'm, this is never going to happen. You, you don't think? Although we would never have thought that what happened today would have happened. But you know, can you think of, think about that? What happens if there were two outs in that inning? And uh, the team was down by, let's say, two, you know, um, and, and they just got 
a game tying home run hit taken away from them because it would have been just the one run scores and then a third out. I don't even know if that one run would have scored because the out would have happened before the run scored. So it just doesn't, it's like, or the inning would have ended before the run scored. So it's, it's kind of a nightmare scenario. And I'm sure there's some betting implications as well. Well, absolutely betting implications. And again, I just, I saw some of the, uh, some of the reaction to it on Twitter and I hadn't had a chance before I jumped on with you, but I didn't look. I didn't look to see which inning that occurred in. It was early. But, yeah. Well, if it was, you know, early, even even more significant because the game was pretty close early through five innings, very low scoring game. It was or through four innings, I should say, and then both teams started to really pick it up. This game's way over the over now, which is uh, par for the course when you're playing in Denver. Yes. So, uh, so over betters, go cash your tickets because because that's in for sure. But this game started low scoring, and I think that's kind of what people were, were expecting with Kershaw on the hill. I'm sure a bunch of people were betting first five innings under, so uh, they, 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 but they, but they may not have gotten there because in the fifth inning, both teams uh, <laughs> played a couple of runs. But yeah, that's huge. I mean, if you bet the Dodgers on the money line, the Dodgers were a hugely popular money line bet here in, at Vegas Books, and at every book that I got information from today, and that was DraftKings and PointsBet and FanDuel and William Hill. Uh, the Dodgers money line was, you know, is, even though it was a long, even though it was a big number, a big price that you had to pay on the Dodgers, they were betting the Dodgers like this game had already been played. So to give up, there was a, one runner, he overlapped one runner, so two runs, there should have been two runs scored and neither run scored, or did they? Did they gave uh, one run scored. Okay, but, you know, you give up a run there in a low, in, and you said it was early in the game, in a low-scoring yes. game, you never know how that's going to impact right. everything that follows it. So, you know, in the Dodgers' money line was a real popular play. They're down three runs in the ninth. So, you know, it's it's definitely – there's always going to be a betting implication. There's always something – you know, even when a game is a blowout, well, maybe the total's still in, 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 in you know, in jeopardy. Right, or right, exactly. There's, or or uh, some sort of prop bet certainly is always going to be out there. So – I guarantee you that impacted something. Somebody probably had a prop bet on on uh, on that on that on the player hitting a home run. I was just thinking and, of that. Well, do you cash that prop or not? Well, it was a yeah, it was a single. No, it was it was it was um, it was because the only the only base he got to was first base before he yeah, before he before he overtook the runner. So, so there you go. I guarantee you there was a prop bet on uh, on a, on a home run prop bet that somebody lost that ticket because of that error because of that base running error. That is, ins- you know, you, you just think of something and you're and you're and you're just thinking of it in the smallest scope, but then you start, you know, uh, like that magnifying glass where you're just pulling it up and up and up and up and starting seeing the bigger picture and the bigger picture and the bigger picture. This has endless possibilities, even with one little home run that was taken away and one run that was taken away. It could have far-reaching uh, implications, which is uh, so it's interesting and, and, and pretty darn cool. Uh, we're talking to Patrick Everson uh, from Covers.com, and you can follow him at Covers underscore Vegas. All right, so UCLA basketball team comes from the play-in game. All the way uh, to the Final Four. Who is benefiting most from the Bruins' uh, nice little run right here? I think, General, I think most sports folks I've talked to, this has been a good outcome for them. There may have been a few people who took some flyer bets and are going to cash for uh, for a decent little amount on on UCLA, but I didn't see many of, of the many that I reported or saw uh, that came across my desk. There weren't many of them on UCLA, so... You know, UCLA continuing to do well is a pretty good outcome. And, and really, especially at the expense of Michigan having beaten them a couple of nights ago, Michigan was bad. 
for quite a few sports books because, you know, Michigan was expected to be good. They've been playing well for months. They were, there were some tickets even over the holidays, over the Christmas season that the Superbook had out there at like 80 to 1 and 100 to 1 to win tens upon tens of thousands of dollars. And then there were a whole lot of, you know, where people put like 500 or 1,000 on it. And then there were just a ton of tickets at smaller denominations that were made at longer odds. So they were definitely going to be stuck. Michigan was, uh, John Murray at the Superbook at Westgate said on Tuesday night before the Michigan game ended, Houston and Michigan are our ugliest outcomes. So they were quite satisfied to see Michigan go. And I think most picks were probably satisfied to see Michigan go. They would take, they would love to see UCLA finish this off if somehow they could because, um, you know, at some books it's a little, little bit of a mixed bag and some books Gonzaga is good because Gonzaga has been such a short price all season that people didn't really want to bet it. However, they have, they are a popular team. They did take a lot of tickets and that adds up even at short prices. So it's not Gonzaga is generally not the book's best outcome, and in some cases, it's not the worst ca- outcome either. If somehow UCLA carried this on, I think they'd be over the moon. Well, and you know, uh, by the looks of at least from from uh, what the line uh, started out as, nobody's giving UCLA any kind of a chance right now, uh, and rightfully so. Gonzaga's a machine, uh, and and they look like they're ready to steamroll everybody. Uh, but what's ha- have you been able to monitor what the action looks like so far for that particular game at that number where with Gonzaga's favored by so many points? Yes, people are not, at least the early bettors, and some of the early bettors are probably going to be some of the smarter players because usually the public doesn't roll in until the weekend. However, the public, Gonzaga is definitely a public team, and it's clear by the early action. People are not shying away from this. This open, I mean, Circus Sports was one of the first ones to hit the board, and they hit the board at Gonzaga 13, and then went to 13 and a half, and I think they might even be at 14 now. Quite a few books are at 14 now, and the betting splits tend to show it. I've looked at two or three different books just today, and it seems like Gonzaga is in the 75 to 80% range in the number, in, in the percentage of bets they're taking against the spread. And they're in that same range and even more, perhaps 80% plus in terms of money taken. And that includes at BetMGM Nevada, a big fat wager on, the, on Gonzaga that came in. And these are the anomalies, uh, to, to be fair on this, but somebody put down, I think it was 275,000 on Gonzaga laying 14 points. So, they're not backing off Gonzaga right now. That's a, it's, it's quite a number for a Final Four game. But as you pointed out, Gonzaga is, uh, is looking like a very special team. We'll have to, it's going to take a really special effort. It's going to take a special effort to be within that 14, and it's going to take a seriously special effort to win. Yeah, I agree. The way they took apart USC, and USC was athletic enough. They were well-coached. Yep. And they took them, they, they, they just uh, annihilated them. So uh, that's a, a pretty good indicator of, of where Gonzaga is right now. Uh, again, you can, you can follow him at Covers underscore Vegas. Patrick Everson, our good friend from Covers.com. Really appreciate the insight and the, uh, the, the fun talk about uh, something that I'm starting to really become more and more aware of uh, the, the longer that I live in Las Vegas, only about a year and a half so far. But uh, really enjoy it. Thank you so much. Uh, don't be a stranger, and we won't either. Uh, we'll talk to you down the line, Patrick. Thank you very much. That sounds, sounds great. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great night and enjoy the weekend. All right. You too, brother. That was Patrick Everson from Covers.com. Uh, when we get back, are the Raiders, do they have their eye on their free safety of the future? You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. 
Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. Uh, yeah, we're trying to get a hold of uh, some of our friends over at Bleacher Report. Um, I've gone over this list uh, a couple of times, and I know, uh, Damon, have you verified uh, my verification here on Richie Grant? I don't see Richie Grant on uh, Bleacher Report's top 150, do you? Yeah, I've looked it over. I don't see him either, and I think uh, it may be what you're saying that, like, because looking at the grading process, maybe it was uh, just then an oversight because the way it grades out, like, I don't see Richie Grant on Bleacher Report's top 150. We're going to get to the bottom of this uh, to find out if this was an oversight. Um, You know, maybe you know sometimes you know, names get edited out, you know, uh, on, on, you know, just in, on an error. It's happened to me before. Um, and you look like an idiot. Uh, but, um, you know, it happens. I'm not saying that that's the case here. It just doesn't appear uh, like, uh, you know, Bleacher Report uh, sees Richie Grant, the University of Central Florida safety, as a top 150 player. And that's pretty telling. That means that they don't believe that he's going to be or should be Drafted within, what, the first four rounds, maybe even uh, beyond the first four rounds. Um, it's, it's definitely uh, intriguing on what it is that they don't see in Richie Grant um, you know, that makes him a, uh, a top 150 player. And there's a couple of guys from Central Florida that they have listed, a couple of cornerbacks uh, that they have in that top 150. Uh, but Richie Grant conspicuously is not among them. We're going to try to get a hold of uh, some of our friends over there, uh, over at the Bleacher Report, uh, to find out what it is. Uh, Vinny, what I was trying to say was uh, on their they list. see something that others aren't seeing? I mean, Pro Football Focus has him as the uh, 50, where is it? Let me just be 51. Uh, Bleacher, Re- or Bleacher Report doesn't have him, Richie Grant, in their top 150. Um, Pro Football Focus has Richie Grant at number uh, 51. So that's a pretty, uh, you know, that's, that's conspic- again, that's conspicuous. But it goes to show you, too, uh, that not every board, body, everyone's board is the same. And, you know, last year, uh, there's no, uh, you know, very few people probably uh, had uh, Damon Arnett as, what, the 19th? That's where the Raiders drafted their second pick last year in the first round was 19. Uh, not a lot of people had him, you know, as, as the 19th best player uh, in, in the draft or, um, you know, uh, or projected to, to have been drafted within the top 19 picks. But the Raiders did. He was That's where he was on their board. And so it just goes to show you that every board is different. Everybody's, everybody's board looks different. Yes, I am sure. Trevor Lawrence is on everyone's board as the number one player uh, in the draft. And that's 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 you know uh, self-explanatory. Uh, but once you get beyond that top five or so, even sometimes that top three, it's uh, a cluster. You know what? If you were to try to look at everybody's boards and see where everybody's uh, listed, and I know because I've during a draft, I've been texting with people that have been in. 
uh, war rooms <laughs> of their drafts. And, you know, I'll say, hey, what about this guy? He's not even on our board. What? <laughs> you know, coming up in the third round, not on our board. Not good. But he's, I don't, we don't care. He's not on our board. Uh, and there's lots of reasons why somebody isn't on somebody's draft board. Uh, people get information that other people don't. Uh, what are injuries? Uh, they just don't like them. Doesn't fit the system. Uh, whatever the case might be. But everybody's board is a little bit different. We'll try to figure out and get to the bottom of why Bleacher Report doesn't believe Richie Grant is one of the top 150 people players in this draft. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It looks like at least the Raiders might think that he's one of the top 150 players because they were in Orlando today to go watch him.